This is Live Wired in Calgary. Hey everyone, welcome to the November edition of Live Wired in Calgary. I'm your host, Darren Krause, editor at LiveWireCalgary.com. This month, I'm actually recording from my home office, taking extra precautions with COVID and limiting unnecessary travel. But I still want to acknowledge that I am recording and delivering this to you from traditional Treaty 7 land. Our current situation is grim. I figured that might get your attention this month as COVID-19 cases spike in Alberta. It seems like we're hitting a new record case count every few days. We're going to hear from Dr. Dina Hinshaw, Alberta's Chief Medical Officer of Health, a little bit later on in the show from her briefing on Friday, and we'll break down some of what she said. Calgary's got a new mayoral candidate, I had the chance to sit down and chat with businessman Brad Field on his campaign launch, and we will bring you part of that interview this month. We'll also get you up to speed on Calgary City Council. We're in the middle of budget adjustments right now, and while this year most Calgary homeowners will see little impact to their property taxes, it will once again impact those in the business community. There's lots to unpack here in this month's show, but we'll try to keep it simple and straightforward to help you stay on top of things. There's been a lot of action on the municipal campaign front with several candidate announcements in recent days. For many, there's a lot at stake in this upcoming election. Calgary's been dogged by a lagging economy, property tax issues for both residents and businesses, but it's also a time of social upheaval, whether that's in how the city grows, its climate goals, its economic future, or how it's policed. Last week, Calgary's mayoral race grew by one. Here's an excerpt of my interview with the candidate. I'm here with Brad Field. Brad is a local businessman here in Calgary, local family man, entrepreneur, and he is about to make a run for mayor. Brad, thank you so much for joining me. Well, thanks for having me, Darren. So, Brad, I guess the first question is, um, what made you decide to run for mayor in Calgary? So, Brad, for those listeners out there who don't know who you are, they ha- they maybe haven't heard the name before, kind of tell me who is Brad Field? Well, Brad Field is uh, a local family man, uh, not born in Calgary, but uh, raised here, uh, been in Calgary for nearly five decades. Uh, I was lucky enough to marry my high school sweetheart and raise three children here. Uh, who all grew up to be uh, their own people, and uh, I learned from them on a daily basis. And then, you know, from an entrepreneurial spirit, you know, I've, uh, I started my first um, company when I was 12 years old, uh, Brad's Cleaning Service, and I went on to operate, own and operate uh, businesses in Calgary as well as the United States. And, uh, yeah, I'm forever in love with the city of Calgary, and uh, I'm just in a situation where I want to give back and provide my services to Calgary. So you've been here for, as you mentioned, for nearly five decades. You've seen a lot of things, whether it's, you know, just the general change, the growth, the boom and bust cycle. 
As it stands today, Brad, what do you think are the biggest issues facing the city going into the 2021 municipal election? Well, yeah, beyond COVID, of course, right now we're, we're battling a global pandemic. And, uh, but uh, setting that aside, not that it's not important, but setting that aside, uh, hopefully we'll see uh, some uh, resolution around uh, the pandemic uh, in the near future. But beyond that, uh, what, we're, what I'm seeing uh, going into 2021 with the municipal election, you know, leadership. Uh, we are definitely lacking in positive leadership at City Hall, and that's something that uh, I have a proven track record in is, is leadership and, and collaboration uh, amongst people. Uh, and then, of course, moving on to our economy, our local economy, um, you know, we have to build the environment where people have the have the ability to wake up in the morning and have purpose, have a job to go to and so forth. And by, you know, creating a business-friendly environment uh, where businesses and jobs can flourish again, I think that'll go a long way. And then finally, I think, um, you know, providing good services to the citizens of Calgary at a fair price. I think the citizens uh, deserve quality services uh, in a cost-effective manner. And we need to stop paying $3 for something that costs us one. Day one, uh, you are, let's say, elected on October 18th, 2021. Um, What are some of the first things you would do as mayor from that day onward? Right. Yeah, I think uh, setting the tone early and rebuilding uh, the trust. We've not only lost trust with the citizens of Calgary, but also trust within the workforce and administration at City Hall. And through, you know, my strong leadership, I would like to restore that, restore that hope and bring back the confidence in City Hall. And, you know, if we can create, uh, and then secondly, if we can create that environment again where, where people have... Um, the foresight and and be able to wake up in the morning, know that they have uh, uh, gainful employment and be able to go to work and hold their head high and walk taller. I think that's going to go a long way to uh, making Calgary a better place. And then, you know, I think the delivering of services again, that's somewhere where I'll have to dive into the books uh, a little deeper and not obviously having access to them at this point makes it a little bit difficult, but, you know, getting in and, and providing solid services for the city of Calgary uh, at a fair price uh, needs to be done. And uh, But again, I start back at the top. It's, it, it's tone. It, we have to get to the point where we uh, have a positive tone around City Hall, discontinue the, the combative, non-collaborative uh, manner and way we communicate. So I think, I think that's with, uh, with my strong leadership is something we can do. We are going to get back to the divisiveness at City Hall question, but I first want to ask you, I mean, Calgary has or is facing some really significant issues. I mean, I mean, if you break down the economy into smaller parts, we've got a real issue with the uh, with the downtown and and sort of the that so-called tax shift. Brad, there's also the issue in general of property taxes. There's a real divide between, uh, you know, the group that wants to see the budget cut and the group that wants to see it maintained and the group that wants to see it increase slightly. When thinking of those issues in particular, um, where do you fall on those? Well, uh, of course, I'm a a resident of the city of Calgary, uh, and I'm also a business owner with property in the city of Calgary, so I see it from both sides. Uh, But I think what we have to do is get to the point where the city stops putting the burden on both uh, residents as well as 
services to carry the load of um, you know bad bad business practices at City Hall. So instead of looking to the citizens and businesses to carry the load, we got to start looking in the mirror and looking how we operate and maybe do some cost-saving measures internally. So there's that part of it. And then, of course, the formula around the split. I mean, that's up for discussion, uh, no question. But, uh, again, I think we need to look internally before we start uh, looking externally to residents and businesses. So as we alluded to earlier, Calgary City Hall is a fairly divisive place and some have said that this this upcoming election might be a slugfest how are you going to position yourself between you know some of the the bigger names who are expected to run on council and 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 kind of make sure that you set yourself apart from them but also be willing to step into the fray because it's bound to be nasty yeah, no question. I mean, I, I consider myself a very positive uh, influence uh, on people around me and so forth. And, uh, I, you know, I endeavor not to get into the mud, uh, but I'm willing to uh, obviously fat my, fight my battles where necessary. But, you know, what we've seen in the past is uh, this non-collaborative, combative dialogue at City Hall, and, and no one benefits from that. And so I find myself thinking that there's got to be a better way where a leader, you know, like myself from the outside uh, can come in and, you know, show true, strong, positive leadership and uh, prove to the citizens of Calgary that there's a better way. And uh, having that collaborative approach uh, that I have will do that for us. So obviously, um, in this election, maybe more than some of the other ones, name recognition is going to play a big role. We have already Jeremy Farkas, councillor for Ward 11, um, very vocal. Um, We have other councillors rumored to possibly be jumping into the mayoral race. Brad, what are you going to do to get that name out there uh, and and, and kind of make sure that, that Calgarians know who you are and where you stand in this race of potentially big names? There's no question I'm coming in from an outsider with limited uh, name recognition, but I feel that with our hard efforts, whether it be in social media and our outreach into other communities uh, throughout City of Calgary, I've been working on this for three years. So it's not like we're just starting now. We've we've been working very hard for three years. I've been, you know, whether it's a coffee meeting or a, a Zoom meeting or before COVID, uh, you know, community association meetings and so forth. We've been hard at work uh, getting name recognition for up to. Uh, three years now so um and there's lots of work to do but uh we'll be there ready ready to go the typical calgary homeowner is likely to see a very modest break on their monthly property tax bills this year as the city has proposed what they're calling a tax decrease it's the equivalent to about 150 per month off of the typical Calgary single-family home tax bill. As we speak, Calgary City Councillors are hammering out budget adjustments that will be made in order to keep the pressure off some taxpayers. While homeowners will likely be getting the aforementioned break, depending on how your property was valued, you always have to say that because not every home will see the same impact just due to how the tax system works. But many Calgary business properties will not see the same break. Why? 
It's because of that nagging tax shift that seems to just move from one group to another. Non-residential properties like large warehouses, neighborhood retail shopping centers, or retail along 17th Avenue Southwest could see property tax increases of between 17 and 25 percent. COVID-19 has had a dramatic impact on two big areas. Still, the downtown offices and the city's hotel and accommodation industry. Both of those areas have taken a pretty significant hit to their values. Because of the current taxation system in Calgary, one where we determine how much we want to spend and then tax to get that amount, the city is forced to make up tax revenue in some areas when others drop. That budget method is something recently raised by Calgary City Councillor Jyoti Gondek. She said we need to look at how much revenue we have and then budget. Kind of makes sense. That keeps us within the revenue we have and doesn't force the city to tax based on what it wants to spend. The city administration did say it's something that could be discussed in 2021. Now, I don't know about you, but I do see it as sort of a backwards process myself, and perhaps we'll see a change in the new year. For now, here's how the next couple of days will work. Councillors will hear presentations by each business unit. They will also hear public submissions based on some of the potential budget adjustments. If you want to see what those budget adjustments are, you can visit livewirecalgary.com for further details. There's a few documents that are available online. The city has 22 items that could see changes, along with other recommendations that total nearly $90 million in budget reductions. I'm careful to say cuts, and here's why. They aren't actually cuts in many cases to the current operating budget of a city business unit. That's something that doesn't often get talked about. In some cases they may be, but quite often they're reductions to the proposed increases originally set out in the four-year budget. The city does four-year budgeting. They project budgets and their growth over those four years. So when they say they're making $90 million in budget reductions, people see those as budget cuts. But again, they're often reductions to the proposed increases that were set out in that budget. See, like I said, lots to unpack. It probably could be a full show. So once all sides are heard, councillors debate, amend, change, debate. And then on the other side, they have their final budget adjustment for 2021. You can stay tuned to LiveWireCalgary.com to see how that shakes out over the next couple of days. One thousand one hundred and fifty-five COVID nineteen cases were documented in the November nineteenth daily briefing by Alberta's Chief Medical Officer of Health, Dr. Dina Hinshaw. Now, since we are pre-recorded, we can't give you Saturday or Sunday numbers. But Friday was another record day. It's caused a lot of alarm among Albertans who believe there should be more restrictions in place to stop the spread. Alberta's Chief Medical Officer of Health addressed some of those questions Friday. Here's how she responded. Hello, the question is from Jeff Slack, 660 News. 
Hi, Dr. Hinshaw. Um, it's been a week since the province introduced the targeted restrictions on bars and fitness groups. Um, do you think these measures are working, and should Albertans anticipate for more restrictive measures next week, similar to Ontario's announcement, which included uh, retails being uh, open for pickup and delivery, um, with certain exceptions for supermarket and grocery stores? It typically takes about a week for us to start to see the impact of restrictions. Uh, and so given that the new restrictions went into place last Friday, we would expect to start to see any impact of those over this weekend. Uh, what I will say is, of course, our current case numbers remain extremely concerning, uh, as the number of cases in hospital and ICU is also very concerning. Uh, and so we're watching those very closely and preparing the recommendations to uh, bring forward to our elected decision makers for their consideration uh, and no decisions have yet been made but of course we are watching very closely and considering what may need to be done uh, if our numbers do not go down operator could you please put through the next question yes the next question is from jason herring post media hi there dr hinshaw thank you for taking my question uh, I wanted to ask about a provincial mask mandate. Yesterday, as part of DC's new restrictions, they added a provincial mandate and they became the ninth province to do so, meaning Alberta is the only province that has yet to introduce this. Uh, are there any plans on bringing a mask mandate to Alberta? All of the policy decisions about how to respond to the pandemic are uh, discussed and the benefits and challenges are looked at carefully. Uh, a decision has not been made uh, about whether or not a mask mandate would be a part of any additional measures in the province. Uh, but of course, as you say, we are watching neighbouring provinces and looking very closely at the evidence so that we can consider options based on the evidence of effectiveness as well as the context in Alberta. Yes, next is Dean Bennett with the Canadian Press. Go ahead, Dean. Well, thanks very much. Thanks, uh, Dr. Hinshaw. You mentioned this week that you're concerned that some groups are ignoring or flouting the, uh, the rules that were put in place last Thursday. Um, I'm just wondering, it makes me wonder, I'm still looking for the uh, the evidence and some of the more core reasons why you made some of the decisions that you did some of the fitness group owners this week they've said they have no idea why they were singled out um the minister in the house yesterday said uh, you made the decision because of three super spreader groups and fitness classes that's that's news to me and i haven't been able to find anywhere to explain to, to see what the rationale was for the fitness groups for the uh, team sports uh, for example, why worship uh, services were not to, were asked to be one third, but it's voluntary. I'm wondering if uh, if that information is not available, why isn't it? And is there a concern that if you want people to buy in, do you think maybe they would buy in more if if they had more information to uh, to so that they can understand why they're doing what they're doing? It's a good point, and I've spoken generally about the reasons. But as you say, perhaps we need to make specific information available. Uh, the reason for the measures that were put in place last week, we looked at all of those settings where we have both had experience in Alberta with super spreading events, as well as settings where there is ample evidence from around the world that in those settings, and again, I want to recognize that many, many people in those settings have put in additional measures to uh, increase safety in those settings. However, those settings are the absolute highest risk for one person who's infectious showing up and if there is a slip in protocols 
having that one person transmit to many others at the same time. And so we are focused on those kinds of events like sports, team sports, uh, like fitness group, fitness activities, worship, those and, and uh, social gatherings. Those are the types of events and activities that we have seen that significant number of spread from a single gathering or single event. Um, and so if it would be helpful for people if we list out the number of those types of activities where we have seen outbreaks, uh, then we can certainly work to do that because, as I say, it's based both on our own experience in this province as well as those being routinely identified as the highest risk types of settings around the world with respect to large spreading events. Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead, please. Julia Wong with Global News. Hi, Dr. Henshaw. I'm looking to get a clearer understanding of what the thresholds are for more measures and a roadmap so Albertans know what they can or cannot expect. We've had some previous triggers that seem to have come and gone without new restrictions introduced, like passing that threshold of 50% of the COVID ICU beds that was 70 at the time. So what specific triggers, such as R-value, positivity rates, specific daily case numbers, acute care capacities, what specific triggers are being used to determine when or if more restrictions will be brought in? I guess I have a different perspective on actions taken with triggers. So we did, uh, we were watching closely our case numbers and R-value as one of those leading indicators. And we did put in some additional measures in early October in Edmonton and surrounding area. Uh, we then started to see additional concerns happening in Edmonton with respect to the acute care capacity. You'll recall that uh, Edmonton, although they didn't pass that 50% growth rate uh, over a certain prolonged period of time, what we did see is 120% capacity being hit. We've certainly learned over the past couple of months that we do need to adjust our indicators, so we're looking at that capacity metric. Uh, and so in, in response to passing that capacity metric, we did put additional restrictions in place on gatherings in Edmonton and Calgary. Uh, we then unfortunately did pass that 50% of our threshold ICU. Again, that was the, the trigger that was uh, used because that would give us an indication that the increasing growth would start to impact those other services. And in response to that, we did put in additional measures last week that came into effect on Friday to focus on those large spreading uh, potential events and and uh, facilities. So we have responded to those metrics all along by putting in place additional restrictions that have been targeted on the activities, events and locations where we've seen evidence in the province of additional spread. Uh, of course, as I said before, we are looking to see the impacts of those measures uh, and we are concerned about the increase in acute care utilization. I recognize that uh, it would be convenient for people to have that roadmap laid out, but what we've always committed to in Alberta is being able to respond with our own current data and using the data to inform any restrictions that are being driven with respect to the, the, the target of those. Of course, right now, uh, we are in a difficult spot because we are seeing less data with the challenges in contact tracing. Uh, and so we will have to be looking not only at our own experience, but looking at experiences of other jurisdictions should we need to consider additional measures. Uh, and any change to more of a roadmap type um, framework uh, would, of course, mean that we would, by necessity, need to move away from that more localized data. And so there's a tension in that. Uh, but of course, we, we recognize that that kind of predictability would be helpful for Albertans, and so that is something that we're looking at closely. 
Operator, could you please put through the next caller? Next is Bill Fortier with CTV News. Go ahead, Bill. Hi, Dr. Hinshaw. You've already already been asked about the, the mask restriction in every other province, but also other provinces that are being hit hard are now shutting down inside bars and restaurants and actually restricting people from going to each other's houses. We're not doing any of those things. We're recommending it. So I know you're not the premier, but you're directly advised to the premier and the government. So why is Alberta doing less than almost every other province, actually than every other province that's hard hit, when we're seeing these huge numbers of cases similar to Ontario and Quebec? I, of course, I cannot speak for the Premier, um, so those questions in terms of the decisions on policy would be best directed to uh, the elected officials to make those decisions. But what I will say as a part of the recommendations that I've made uh, has always been a consideration of the impacts of COVID-19 and the impacts that restrictions have. And I've always said that as the Chief Medical Officer of Health, I'm responsible for the whole health of the population that includes COVID-19 and other aspects of their health. And I will say that it uh, has been challenging to uh, consider what the right balance is and, and what that right suite of measures would be to be able to bring down COVID-19 while uh, maintaining the mental health uh, benefits of uh, the activity and socialization, the benefits of being employed, the benefits of uh, being able to have physical activity. Uh, and so those are some of the considerations that I've taken into account as I've made my recommendations and also wanted to be able to give as much opportunity as possible to try to control the pandemic with a uh, suite of measures that had the minimum impacts on people's health in other ways. Uh, of course, I am concerned and the measures that we have put in place over the past several months may have somewhat slowed the growth, but they have not bent the curve as much as we need to. Uh, and we do need everyone to pull together to follow all of those measures to the letter, uh, or unfortunately, we will need to put in additional restrictions. I will need to make recommendations on additional restrictions. Uh, and I recognize those may have other health impacts, uh, but we cannot let COVID-19 spread unchecked. One of the final questions Dr. Hinshaw took was around whether she thought the restrictions would have more weight if elected leaders like Premier Jason Kenney or Health Minister Tyler Shandro were standing behind her when she faced the questions or talked about the restrictions. She said they come out when official announcements need to be made and that everyone plays their role in the pandemic response. Now, just for transparency, I do want you to know that the audio was edited to put the uh, the questions and the responses uh, in a certain sequence. Um, Dr. Hinshaw was pressed further on action overall, and rightly so. But if you want my unsolicited take, I know you're going to love this. I do feel that this is a personal responsibility issue. Yes, we can put in hard and fast rules. We can enforce up the wazoo and put people in further hardship because they have to pay that fine. The question is, should we have to? Mask up. Don't go into social gatherings in other homes. Wash your hands. Physically distance. Don't go to larger gatherings. Limit your cohorts. If you have symptoms, don't go anywhere. It seems really clear. Really, really simple. But I know it's not being done. 
both personal experience and ones you see happen every day, whether they're on social media or you hear about them from family, friends, and neighbors. You give people an inch, you give them that ability to choose for themselves, and they inevitably take a mile. They shimmy right up to that line, maybe even tiptoe across it and say, I'm following the rules, and they almost dare people to give them a ticket. I don't mean to preach. We're just talking here. But sometimes these rules are guidelines and we should exercise good judgment. My wife's been tested twice, once for symptoms, once because she was a close contact in the school where she works. Both times she came back negative. But we held our kids from school until we got the test back. We didn't have to, but we did. In other similar situations, I've learned anecdotally, people don't. I know that not everyone can make that choice. It's not an easy one to have to make. You have your job on the line. You've got, you've got other commitments, things that need to get done just in the scheme of life. But that's what it's going to take. Yeah, we can wait for the province to put restrictions on us that bind us to our homes. Or we can go that extra mile in personal responsibility and preserve our mental health, preserve our economy, and put COVID-19 in the rearview mirror. That's the lid on another show. I want to give a shout out to all of you out there who supported CJSW and my show in another successful funding drive this year. It was great to see such support for independent radio here in Calgary. My thanks to this month go to Brad Field for the conversation about his mayoral run and of course to you the listeners for tuning in. Stay safe, stay healthy, make good choices and we'll catch you again next month. So long.